Understand. I'm, what are you hij- talking about? I'm hijacking this. Oh, you get to start it. Go for it. <laughs> I'm hijacking this. You MFers don't understand. <laughs> I'm doing some Bernie Mac. <laughs> oh, man. I ain't scared Bernie. of you MFers. We're Bernie doing Mac. Star Trek Picard episode two. Mm-mm. Was that a juicy, juicy episode? I would say it was as juicy. Juicy is like one. Of, you ever had a hamburger where, where just everything was just like perfectly placed in it? You just one grasp and just bite. You know what I mean? I put it down, not getting too juicy. That's like dripping all over you. You don't. There even are put some it mornings, down. dude. I'll tell you what. I I would rather eat lunch food for breakfast any day of the week. And so if I head to uh, Sonic in the morning on the way to work, I will get myself a. Uh, I'll get myself a number one with mustard, and sometimes there's just so much mustard and so much pickles because they're not ready to make that. And then they make that thing, and it's not been sitting there for a minute, and it's freaking amazing. I know what kind of hamburger you're talking about, mm-hmm. and you're 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 comparing this to the dude, episode, dude. I'm talking about how good the burgers were at the Royal Rumble party uh, we threw at my buddy Cody's oh, house damn. on Sunday. Uh, okay, so I went to the store. I got eighty twenty. Uh, I was following the Gordon Ramsay recipe. I buttered every the artisan. <laughs> I buttered each side of the bu- of the bun, the artisan bun. I got the the boar's head pickles. Um, I stole from the stash of our hatch green chili. Uh, I cut the, the like the hot hot house tomatoes all big. So like just one slice. Just you put one big slice and then one layer of uh, of a uh, red onion that we grilled to perfection. Caramelized the shit out of that. Mm. Put green chili. Uh, I mixed uh, mayo with um, some horseradish mustard for awesome flavor. Uh, what else? We, we can't put? replicate any of that. No, 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 any of that. I'm just talking about how juicy this episode of uh, Picard was because it was just like the Royal Rumble burgers. You know what though? Not, not the actual Royal Rumble because it sucked. But tell me, dude. Wait, what about Edge? Uh, I am. I am completely opposed to him coming back. I think it's probably dangerous. I didn't even know about it. It is extremely dangerous that he's back. He has the same... uh, He got the same stinger that ruined Paige's career, uh, that ruined Stone Cold Steve Austin's career. I don't care how much yoga you're doing with DDP. uh, It is absolutely irresponsible, and we're... Divulging from Picard, I, but it's it's just I, we are we're totally on a divergent path. I think but, that WWE is in such 
frustrated they're, financial straits that they're willing to pull anything out. Anything, anything out. But, however, Picard has been pulling things out that have been amazing. and That's totally true. The One of the things I wanted to start a conversation with tonight was the fact that I do not think that Khan... <laughs> Newfoundland phone. No, that's the King of the Hill. Uh, Khan. <laughs> I love those guys. Yeah, I make more money hey, than Clive. you. <laughs> I make more money than you. <laughs> I love when he does that. <laughs> when he when he's like getting drunk and like like working out, singing eighty songs. Like I love it. Um, but oh, wait, I know one more. My favorite thing with him: the first episode that introduces him, and they're like, "Well, the ocean. You're from the ocean. What ocean?" No, idiot. We are from Laos. <laughs> no, we are Laotian. The best yeah, part but of which ocean? <laughs> oh my god, that. that cracked me up. The best part was when he's like, when uh, Hank's dad shows up, and he's like, oh he's like, god. Dale's like, we got us Japanese. He's like, nope, he's Laotian. Ain't you, Mister Khan? <laughs> <laughs> what a great character! I absolutely love King of the Hill. I think oh. that show is incredibly clever. Um, I love that it makes fun of that part of America without condescending, and then it shows these characters who are extraordinarily conservative another way of living. Agreed. More often than not, without condescending, and they can cop into it or not, but it never like dominates their lives. Anyway, sorry, let's like get away from all of this. No, no, uh, Mister you... Mister Khan uh, Nufenphone. I mean, uh, like uh, he's got the same long ass name as Khan does. Uh... Khan Nunyan Singh. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I do not believe in the listeners, MFers. We do not. Oh. I do not believe that this man is a is a is a villain. I don't. Okay. And we I, we I, started talking about this a second ago because I was talking about how I, I I just got something killer in the mail that I ordered from a buddy from one of my Star Trek customizable card game uh, groups on Facebook, and it is a uh, it's a box set incorporating Gull Ducat. Cool. So if you're a, if you're not a TNG if you're a TNG guy and you don't know and you haven't watched all this other stuff, Deep Space Nine has an incredible array of wonderful villains and Gul Dukat is far and away the best one of them. Principally because you can never ascertain whether or not he is actually the villain. Um, uh, and then there are times when you absolutely know it, but like they leave you, they string that out for seasons, and. Um, God, they bring you back. Like, am I on his side over and over again? Well, so I brought this up and I said, I think outside of Khan, Gul Dukat is the second greatest of all Star Trek villains. And Joshua immediately shot in with this, I don't think Khan's a villain. So hit me with that logic. Now, I, I, I'd actually prefer for you to go first. <laughs> well, okay, I mean... The heroes, let's, let's... The heroes go first. You're Captain America. Now shut it. Uh, so... The thing being with Khan, Khan is a genetic Superman who was born out of 90s eugenics and uh, perpetrated what amounts to being a world war with other eugenics super, eugenic supermen. Correct. So he ended up ruling a quarter, if not a third, of the world before being... 
more or less defeated somehow and deciding to cut his losses and thrust him and his closest followers away from Earth in a sleeper ship in 1996. Correct. That escaped into the cosmos to be woken up someday where they would carry on. The thing that you have to appreciate with these genetic Superman characters is that they are all born that way and they are born to rule and that they accept their their um they accept their lot in life their and purpose. absolutely believe that they are who they're supposed to be we should rule these people i don't care that they made us we are we are by our very nature made to conquer this planet and anywhere else that we go so things being what they are they can't help but have this hitler stalinesque concept of we are Literally better than everyone else and we should or even like the japanese military uh during world war ii they're they're built out for it in essence they've abandoned the concept of like superman Yes, I could rule this whole planet because nothing could stop me, but I'm going to, by my very nature, take who I am and be better than everybody, but as a shining beacon of, of what we should all be. Okay. It's the difference between Captain America and Hydra Cap from this recent Secret Empire story. None of them are wrong, though, as opposed to... Like, well, I'll get into that in a minute. Please continue. I, I did not mean to uh, interrupt you. Oh, not at all. I just think that the, I, th- I, I, I can already appreciate where you're coming from. Because it, in essence, says, okay, you have the power to be the world's greatest hero or the world's greatest villain. Now choose what you're going to do. Because, in essence, they still have a choice. Period. Absolutely. So, Khan... Khan ruled a huge chunk of the world and then decided to leave when he got forced off of it by the countless millions of people who rose up against him or whatever. And I haven't read those beta canon books, uh, the, the, uh, the eugenics wars, and they look fa- fascinating. They look awesome. However, I did read the uh, four-part four book about Khan from Star Trek Into Darkness, and that was awesome. I will say, that was a cool... It explains why Benedict Cumberbatch looks like he does, and he's still Khan and not Ricardo Montalban. Um, so, there you have it. I mean, why do you think that they're evil? Well, I do have to... Preface... We're not evil, sorry. <laughs> I do have to preface it with a Simpsons quote. Mm-hmm. That I immediately forgot. That's alright. There are too what? many to go by. Sorry, I was uh, sipping on my black cherry... <laughs> no, no, no. If, if if I was to have a backup, since the quote would be Mr. Burns uh, hosting the uh, uh, model UN uh, class when they're all <laughs> different countries, and he comes in, he's like, "Listen, you came to hear me talk about business, <laughs> friends, family, <laughs> religion. These are the demons you must slay in order to succeed in business." <laughs> <laughs> when, true. when you're about to close a multi-million deal, you don't want to be headed to some maternity ward or a synagogue. <laughs> uh, he, he was right. Um, 
Oh, not really right. You can't really... Well, argue. I mean, you, you think well, about well, it. Is well, Magneto evil? Magneto is not evil. And that's my point on this. And I'm getting to this. Okay, so... I'm thinking... I'm thinking The Matrix. Uh, the second renaissance. I'm thinking iRobot. These creatures uh-huh. were created to be superior. And they rose and they actually succeeded in their mission. The, the, way, the same way I don't feel that Ultron is a villain. Of course oh, he's wow. going, Of course he's going to view humans as a virus to the planet because they are destroying it. We, we are. And when he is in exile, they wrong him. And we're talking we're talking sixty television show. Watch the episode. They wrong him. The guy okay. simply wants to preserve his crew members. They uh, maroon oh, sorry, him. I you're talking about Ultron. You're talking about Khan. Okay, yeah. Yeah, they, they maroon Khan on a planet, and, and you see Chekhov come in and immediately uh, succumb to a you know mind bending little little uh, the SETI eels, t- tapeworm, something like that. Mm-hmm. I don't think the guy's a villain because he's simply fulfilling his purpose. Now, uh, to put it in perspective, uh, I was reading, and I've talked about this before, uh, listening to an interview with an actual CIA spy, was that she, the one thing she actually learned through being uh, counterintelligence and uh, fully immersed in espionage was that each side believes himself to be... The, the hero that they're on the right yes. side of justice. Totally believe that. And mm-hmm. and and yeah, I joke about like Mr. Burns being, you know, whatever he was, and but that the, obviously I, I I hold no biases. But at the same time, though, <coughs> uh, you gotta you gotta think about history. History's written by the winners. And yeah, uh, imagine okay. if if we had a couple of months in Pearl Harbor or before. We're we're the villains in their story. We nuked the living shit out of them, and God, that's awful. But at the same time, though, on our side of the of of the of the planet, we're the heroes. the The Japanese were there to sacrifice kamikaze, no matter what. They've got a a, a loose treaty with with the Russians and and the Germans and. They think they're on the right the side Italians. of, of justice. Yeah, yeah, correct. Sorry, uh, I, I apologize. Now, you are con, and your people have been wronged, and half your people have been destroyed, and this bastard that promised you, and 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 I'm sorry, I I don't like Kirk. I I find him to be a bastard, <laughs> like like. He, he, he's not like Picard, where Picard will promise you something and actually fulfill it, or or give you a loose promise like I can do my best. He was wronged. His his men were killed in cryostasis. He was marooned on this planet. Of course, he's going to want some revenge. Regardless, well, let me of what let me jump in there so that I can agree with you because I want to make sure that your facts are online. Please the. Yeah, they okay. Khan and his followers launched themselves into space. They were awakened by Kirk. Then Khan decided, I'm going to try to take over the Enterprise and then I'm going to do whatever I want with this ship. We don't know what he would have done because Kirk hit him in the head with a piece of engineering equipment. So they got marooned on the planet. 
where they were you're we're giving you a planet and I'm sure that with the what I don't know how many crew members there were off yeah, the head uh, 60 80 100 y- you're going to get somewhere but and then McCoy leans in and says I wonder where these guys will be in 100 years what amazing society could they possibly have I'm fascinated and it's too bad I won't be there to see it uh, so Wrath of Khan the movie happens because what what the difference is that Khan decides He's angry at Kirk because no one ever came to check on them. And then his wife was killed by the SETI creatures. And this all happens as a result of the neighboring planet right. blowing up. But, okay, so uh, so my disconnect might be that I, in my research, it was more of a, they gave him a, 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 to be marooned on a planet that was uninhabitable. Oh, no, not at all. That planet was harsh. It was not uninhabitable. The planet was the middle of Arizona. The planet was Area 42 in Nevada. I mean, it was like... That's still pretty bad, though. (laughs) That's still pretty bad. It was like, hey, we got to get you off the ship so you don't try to take over the ship again. We're going to put you down on the nearest M-class planet. Maybe it wasn't M-class. Maybe it was like the next thing down. It was a harsh environment. It's the middle of Chihuahua or Sonora. It's not, and I'm sorry, I don't really know. I've never been no, there. But no. like, that's what I'm saying. It's like, it's not an ideal place. Correct. But there's water. There's going to be food. You guys can make it because you're tough. And they relished the opportunity to live by their wits. Okay. Like, last of the Mohicans. We just want to live out here, and we don't want to be pressured by religion and government, you know? Let us just be out here being as badass as we can be. I, I still don't see him as a villain. I, I see your point. I get that. That uh, totally like, it like, makes like, sense. He, he was given a shitty hand of cards, and he did his best to play with it, but like, how can you argue against his very nature to be superior to humans? And I guess that's the question. If he was actually superior to humans... He was. Then, and that's, <laughs> hey, yeah, I'm down. I get that. Then what is it that makes him decide? It's all about decisions, I think. I'm going to go out and get revenge. I'm going to take the Genesis device and I can just take over the galaxy by threatening everybody with it. Or I can reverse engineer it and make Genesis devices all day and wipe everybody out that I want to. I can go back to Earth and I can say... I've got a ship, and unless you guys can destroy that ship, I'm going to launch the Genesis device onto Earth and wipe it out, and then I can have Earth if I want it or whatever. Like, that's the difference. Could Khan have conceivably created a better place with the Genesis device and said, no, this is where we're living now, and I've got one ship in orbit or whatever? You know, there's any number of possibles. So I think that... In the end, I, I, I don't know. Is he the villain or isn't he? No, I, I think... I think it's the decision that he was on a revenge-crazy rant in Wrath I, of Khan. It's called Wrath of Khan. Now, I agree with you. Like, we're we're not at a stalemate. You and I have agreed upon everything we've said. Now, <laughs> the thing here is, in my mind, is the fine line between history and the winners and the losers. And... When it comes down to it, it's his very nature to be superior. But at, at the same time, though, he could have taken a better course. Yes, he could have. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
he lost his wife, man. I mean, I mean, like he, he factor that into like John Wick or something like that. Like, sure. like th- there's there's emotions that need to be involved, and this is the very essence of Star Trek, of of great communication, but also showing the sides. Not just like you watch Indiana Jones. Obviously, the Nazis are the bad guys, but well. Obviously, uh, but... They were pariahs at that point. That's the whole question. Do we know what they're doing in Indiana Jones? They were pariahs until they started the war. Then they start the war, and they're definitely the aggressors. Right, but but, but even in in Star Trek, it wasn't uh, presented that these guys were, you know, Jew-hating, homosexual-hating... Bastards that are trying to just mindlessly take over the take over the world. This guy just wanted his like he was more concerned about his own people, and and that's what I do appreciate. If you watch it, it's Star Trek Into Darkness, and you get that pretty great scene, pretty amazing acting by Benedict Cumberbatch, where he's talking about his motivations for all of this. I really appreciate that because because somebody has pledged their lives and loyalty to you, I would hope that you. Have the personal wherewithal to devote yourselves back to them. Agreed, agreed, and <clears throat> and and that's a hard thing to a, a cookie to swallow. Uh, w- regardless of what milk you have to dip it in, it, it, it's 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 something that you can skew on. You, you can think about it, but that's the best part about Star Trek is they presented both sides equally. I still don't think he's a villain. I think like he was. I I. I can legitimately understand how wrong he felt, how wronged he felt, to put it more in the better perspective, that he would want to take over whatever it is he's got to take over. I mean, if they had given him a better inhabitable planet, I mean, you drop, you can't just, you can't even drop a hitchhiker off anywhere in in Arizona <laughs> or, or, or 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 New Mexico and expect them to thrive. I mean, that's that's a harsh environment. Well, look at what I mean. Okay, I know how this how this comes down by way of wonder on my end is at a certain point if we're if we're wagering the difference between Ducat and Khan. Then it's like, well, you're sending, you're spending an entire series trying to figure out whether or not this guy is the bad guy. But he does something awful again and again and again. But by way of, like you say, his culture, this isn't such a bad thing. Correct. This is commonplace, and that in and of itself takes the concept of given my culture, given my place, given my time. This is what's normal. This is what we're doing. So what kind of decisions are you making in that that makes it so bad? I think it's the same decisions when you see a, like if you go to your kitchen late at night, you get a glass of water and you see a cockroach going, you're going to step on him. He doesn't belong there. He's inferior. He's an infestation. And you're made to be better and you've got superior knowledge uh, I'm not say, saying it's right I'm saying that in that perspective you don't want that sort of infestation that's true I mean there's definitely but there's a difference because 
uh, there's creatures I will destroy and creatures I will not. Like I, I'm not, I don't want to kill crickets, and they're carrying as much filth more often than not as uh, cockroaches. But cockroaches, rev- I, I'm revolted by them. Agreed. And uh, do, do, I'm probably not going to try to usher them out of the house, handing them their hat. A right. cricket, on the other hand, I'm like, no, I'm going to pick it up and I'm going to toss it out the door. And a but, spider, probably. Yeah, you know, I'm not spiders. Gonna, I, don't, I don't generally kill spiders unless it's a black... Uh, it, it, uh, you know, I, I have not killed black widows when I lived in L.A. I haven't seen more than a couple in Oklahoma ever. But I will kill a brown recluse faster than... Because a brown recluse killed my dad. Ultimately, uh, after years and years of issues, my dad died because of a brown recluse bite. And it's the same thing. Was but, it evil? Or was it its nature? It was did his my nature. dad frighten it? Or what? Why did this brown recluse bite my dad? That's, that's the question. Did he roll over it wrong, on the wrong way when the, the, it crawled into his bed? Yeah. Uh, well, we don't know. I, I don't know. Does do do flies know they're eating shit? Nah, they appreciate it. I don't know. Well, we gotta we gotta progress. Yeah, uh, guys, yeah. If you've got a T- if you've got a thought on this, tell me. Tell us what you think. I mean, is Khan the bad guy? Is he the bad guy? Or you know, like where? What is the nature of evil? Is it decisions? Is it nature? Is it um, is it socialization? And given that point, then does society, is society evil? And no, I haven't seen Joker, okay? I know this is a, this is a straight line to wondering what's going on with that movie. But uh, we'll get to that anyways. So let's, let's, uh, you want to take a second before we get into it? We're 25 minutes in. <laughs> Guys. All right, so we're back. Hell yeah, we're back. Totally back. Totally back. Um, yeah, I mean... Well, yeah, let's, let's get into the episode. we got to get into this episode. Actually, before we get into the episode, we got to talk about uh, Picard Countdown. Issues 2 and 3. Oh, that's right. Uh-huh. Uh, both written by Kristen Beyer and Mike Johnson. Art mm-hmm. by Angel Hernandez. Colors by uh, Joanna Lafuente. Lafuente. Or, or, or Joanna. And letters by Neil Yutake and edits Yutake. by Chase Monroz. Now, we are getting... To, so if you've seen the episode already, and we and you know that the Romulans have infiltrated Starfleet uh, from the uh, Taj uh, Shi'ar. Tal Shi'ar, Tal Shi'ar. Tal Shi'ar. Now, the, the two nice people that I accused of being Boris and Tasha on the last episode... <laughs> Are actually Boris and Tasha that are working for the Tashiar. And however, they've defected. And that is what Picard Countdown is really focusing on is his relationship with them. They've been pretending to be winemakers, uh, obviously, secret police of the Romulans. And they have defected in order to help him save uh, the slave colonists, or not colonists, the slave uh, indigenous peoples of this of this planet oh, yeah mm-hmm. and the problem is is that even revealing yourself as uh Tashiar, you've got a problem you just betrayed their their biggest rule not to mention the fact that you just save a starfleet captain or admiral and we get some hint 
some hints of who the people are that are living with Picard currently because they were pretending to be winemakers on this planet and now uh, after they save Picard's ass in these comics he offers them a job that you still want to be winemakers we see yeah. we see the new character of uh, the uh, the chick that shows up at the end let me pull up uh, the IMDB because I've got like is Rizzo? Rizzo yeah and let me make mm-hmm. sure that let me let me make sure that I got it up right in front of me. See yeah, I'm sorry. You know that's the thing is that we've yep. seen the Rafi. episode. We've Rafi. Yeah, it's just Musikar. Oh, Rafi. Yeah, it's it's trying to get everybody's names and all of that stuff. It just hasn't hasn't come to us yet. Did you enjoy these comics? Uh, some parts better than others. I get a little bit like I don't know, dude. I mean. I'm not a person for pretentiousness. And I don't think these comics are pretentious. I thought that the original countdown preceding 2009 Star Trek was a little bit pretentious. Uh, I get a little bit like, why are we in other uniforms? Why do we got to keep inventing new uniforms and stuff like that? That stuff takes me out of it. Honestly, I loved the first issue. In particular, establishing the concept and then seeing this betrayal. And it really worked. The second issue doesn't stick out to me, but this third one goes a long way. You know, solving solving the business with our Romulan uh, former Romulan Tashiar characters, and then establishing okay, you know the ver- the verity. I'm more interested in okay, well, what kind of a crew does Picard have on this thing, and what are the, what what's the interest behind this ship because. God help us, we couldn't possibly just stick Captain Picard on another Galaxy-class ship or a Nebula-class ship. That's when I get frustrated with pretense. Now, at a that... certain point, it's like, why are we just inventing new stuff? Does everybody have to make their mark on something and it's going to be like, oh, somebody's going to decide that they're going to want to use my ship class for whatever, or is it one of a kind? It's just that kind of stuff. With anybody who gets handed the reins of anything Star Trek. Well, no, just fucking put them on another Excelsior class. It's not complicated. Well, that sort of thing actually makes sense to me because we've seen many episodes where some admiral showed up and said, everyone shut the fuck up, I'm in charge now. And uh, don't yeah. question me. And we've we've got, like with, uh, like with Ronnie Cox. And... Oh yeah, uh huh. Yeah, Captain Jellico, Edward Jellico. Yeah, he, it it kind of put things more in perspective for me that these guys are going from ship to ship and solving problems. And my dad's in, my dad was in the military, and the further you go in the military, the more and more you're going from one place to another, never having constantly one particular base, solving problems or investigating uh, the uh, the dealings of this base in Oklahoma as opposed to one in uh, Salt Lake City yeah. or something like that. <clears throat> So it makes sense to me that he would be going from he would be on a littler ship or even a bigger ship. It, it didn't really matter, but he's he's in charge and he's doing something that he believes in. And I think that's one of the main purposes of this comic, uh, in conjunction with what's going on in uh, Picard at the moment. When he's like, "Why did you leave, Why did you leave Starfleet? Because it's not Starfleet anymore. They don't yeah. have the, they don't have the values." And but so, does, so, this, does, does this countdown book show us that? Uh, no, but I think it adds a little bit more of a scaffolding to his his enragement to, towards it because it does. this 
Because I can Does see it then. I got another question, but go. Yeah, no, go for it. Go for it. Does it then tell us anything about his uh, his first officer? No, I think the problem I have with this this trio of comics is mainly that it doesn't introduce anything outside of what's the backstory for these two Romulan characters he's hanging out with. Correct. I just don't see anything... Worthwhile? And then, are we going to utilize any of this information in the series? That's my next thing. Yeah, at least issue three came out in the week of episode two so that we could look at it and go... Oh, they were Tal Shiar guys. And it's kind of like this business lately where, yeah, if you see this Mandalorian episode and you see the Baby Yoda character do this thing with the Force, then it establishes that this isn't some new shit that we just invented for Rise of Skywalker. Right. Uh, I think it does. I think uh, I'm completely in agreement with you, but at the same time, I still stick to my guns. I think we're both right. No, yeah, uh, I, I agree. I, I, I think it's tendency. I think it's more of a what perspective you want to watch it from, and I love the fact that they would have an accompanying com- accompanying comic book that would have some sort of seminal uh, meaningfulness towards it. Uh, it might not tell the whole story. I like the fact that we get to see Jordy, uh, no visor. Yes, that was great. Uh, no, no visor. Uh, his. <laughs> uh, just just looking well, at pictures of no him and dis, Data. But once you get into the movies, you're going to start to see a lot less of that visor. Well, that's fine. But mm-hmm. uh, I, I I like the fact that it's a company and it gives you a little bit more um, gravitas when you're decoding the episode. Because I really feel like when you're watching Star Trek, you're not just enjoying some mindless form of entertainment. You are actually uh, fully immersed. And it gives you a little bit of like... Like, you did a little bit of homework beforehand. Like, you did your research. And it, it's, well, it's so much more go, meaningful what, as things progress. Let me go one further with you on that. In that, what we're not telling you all who are listening to us is that you've got to read this comic book to be able to know what's going on in the show. Correct. You don't even have to watch the show to appreciate this book. This is, in and of itself... A three-act story that could exist on its own, and you could never watch the show, and you'd be fine. But watch the show, because that's the that's that is the cutting edge of the 24th century right now. We haven't mm-hmm. seen the 24th century since Voyager went off the air, and unfortunately, I still feel like that was uh, kind of a, a rough way to to end it for us. So now I, I'm here really we are. I'm really excited to see. I'm really excited for my racist hatred of uh, Romulans to be turned around by these two new characters. Uh, we're talking about uh, Zaban and we're talking about Laris, and they right. fell in love, and and they they their love and their idea of what culture and society should be has come into parallel with what Starfleet, well, what Picard actually believes it should be. Enough for them. Well, to... there's that, but they also couldn't stay in Romulan society because of their decisions. Agreed, agreed. But at the same time, though, when he gives them like, "Hey, you guys want to still be winemakers?" and and then we got that little bridge, and that was nice. That little yeah. bit was nice. But uh, l- let's get into the episode. Yeah, we need to get into it. Um, so, I was doing the time. So, yeah, uh, yeah, we're just going to start this. I'm going to say, I just let's just get immediately into it. So I'm going to 
kill that, kill this, and I'm going to kill that, and I'm watching this on my computer tonight, and uh, yeah, if you guys have it queued up, you can't watch it on anything outside of CBS All Access, near as I know, though I do think that they're releasing the first issue for, or the first episode for free. Um, on, on YouTube, right yeah, now. for sure. Yep. Yeah, yeah, so if that's a platform you want to check it out, you're going to get, you're going to, you're going to watch it, and you're going to bite. The complaint that we, that I had was that after we watched this uh, last night was mainly that I feel like it's just another episode and this series needs an hour-long pilot so that we can just get into the meat of it. And uh, I'm going to I'm gonna stick with that by the end of this, you too. Mean, you mean we'll like two hours? You, you mean two-hour-long feature film to get into the, the series? I would appreciate that. I mean, yeah. even Encounter at Farpoint was a two-hour with commercials. And yeah. So is... So is every Star Trek pilot episode. I mean, that's just the way it goes. So it's kind of shocking to me this is the way they've they've gone with it. But whatever. All right, so we're going to start uh, start this. We're at the beginning of the whole bit uh, on CBS All Access. And hopefully when we both click our play links, it's going to give us the same... Yeah, it's station gonna, identification it, yeah. and give us the same uh, advertisements. Re, replay of last week and that sort of thing. <clears throat> oh yeah, all of that, which we will. Yeah, but we paid for the uh, commercialist one. Oh, did we? We're going to do commercialist. Okay. Cool. Yeah, it's commercialist. It's mm-hmm. like you might get a car thing before you even click on it, but that's not a big deal. Yeah, I don't usually. I don't really know. I'm just like, okay, it's like a meal that somebody's handed me, and I'm just like, okay, yeah, whatever you want to do. So here we go. Uh, I'm going to start our play in, it'll be on Engage after 3, 2, 1, Engage, like we do. And, uh, of course, I'm going to turn down the volume on it, because we're not we're not going to get into any broadcast rights garbage with anybody. So here we go. 3, 2, 1, Engage. All access originals, baby. Yeah, I'm. I'm already into looking at. Uh, Pause it for like two at... seconds and then and then start it. Yeah. It's no longer Starfleet. Oh, I no longer Starfleet. That's where I am now. Okay. <clears throat> he just happened in the chair. Yeah. All right. We're good. Okay. Great. So we're all synced up. I hope you all are synced up. Honestly, folks, I mean, a five to seven second thing is not going to kill anybody. It's just going to make our lives more difficult. So we're seeing the rehash of the last episode. We'll look at, Pay attention to this. Look at that mess that they made in Dodge's apartment. Um, that's trouble, you know? I do need closed captions on. Turn mine on, too. Subtitles. I still got beef with uh, why in the bloody hell did Picard show up at home? Oh, watching me get flung like this, man. Now you're going to have to pause because... Uh, okay, so, yeah, because I started clicking subtitle. This is complicated. I, I like what Netflix way better, in case you're wondering, everybody. Uh, right. I tell, got Allison tell me when, now, she's, right? when, she, when did she say Maddox? Oh, you're ahead. I'm glad we have all this time to figure T- this out and look like a couple of Johnny-come-latelys. Tell me when she says uh, Maddox. I haven't even seen that yet. I'm talking to... We got Narek and Dr. Asha. 
Nope. Twins. You, now you're ahead of me. <laughs> they're created in pairs. Dr. Asha. There, there they are. You're like three seconds ahead of me. Okay. So there's another. So we're now looking all at black. Utopia Planitia. Yep, there we go. We're looking at Utopia Planitia, and they are... What we can take from this is that we are cranking on building these colony transport ships. Now and here... It's fascinating. Here's where I love the science fiction trope that you're going to... You're, you're, you're those asshole humans rubbing shit in the face of some synths, some some androids, and they've finally had enough. Uh, I like the fact that they look very similar to Data. As much I as I appreciate where you're going with the concept, but I just don't think that's why they decided. Oh to no, no, this was Romulan. This. this was Romulan for sure. I mean, Ro- how obvious is that to us after having watched this and spending all that time on? All of this, like, Romulan-specific, Romulans are the bad guys, it's just too apparent. And what's more, the complaint I have after seeing the Romulans, like, postulating their evil plan and wringing, you know, like, wringing their hands and stuff like that, it is so completely obvious that the Romulans are the bad guys. So unless there's something that happens in... Episode three, four, five, or six, or something that says Starfleet wanted this to happen. I just don't see it. No, not at all. I agree with you completely. This is this is like Romulan hacking. They they got into his mind. I don't think this is. I mean, this happened to dozens and dozens of these guys. I mean, it's if not hundreds. Yeah, I do like what you said though. They do have that data s quality with the eyes and the skin color and stuff like that. Do you think the question though? I mean, like, if you're going to put synthesized humans or synthetic people in these situations and they're in this trusted position, as opposed to putting holographic characters or people into this, then why are we still using synthetic people at those Starfleet archives like in episode one? Now, it also it also begs the question whether or not that Maddox was responsible for creation of these synthoids and he's making up for it by the creation of his perfection of Dodge and Soji. Um, yeah, I still... It's, to this point, I do not know the answer. This murder scene whether is... Whether or not... Huh? I love this murder scene. Oh, this is rough stuff for Star Trek. It's a very, very PG-13 thing. Well, agreed, but even then, like, it's done very tastefully. It's not, it's not, like, overly gore. That's what I love about Star Trek. You don't have to see blood and guts. Oh, yeah, to know it. I'm like, what are these ships? Like, if these are colony transports, unless they're mining ships or something, we don't... I figure what we're looking at here is uh, you've got the fleet being built up in the fleet yards, and then you've got the fabrication facilities down planet side. See, this is why it's Romulan to me, is because if, if, if it was anyone else, they would have kept these synthoids alive and utilized them. 
Uh, th- there's yeah. there's a nefarious plan here where he, he kills he puts a blaster to his head. If he really cared about what he was doing, he would simply just like uh, like in the Animatrix. So one of one of my favorite scenes when they they put the the, the main robot that first killed its master on trial was that he simply mm-hmm. said, "I do not want to die." Yeah, yeah. And right off the bat, now uh, how do you feel about this Borg uh, cube at the beginning? being reconstructed do you like oh i don't know that it's being reconstructed i mean watch what we watch you you, you know you watch the whole episode too and they're no spoilers they're tearing apart borg drones for some reason so i don't think that they're reconstituting the borg cube but there's a wealth of of untold numbers of alien civilizations worth of technology that can be taken from any cube agree you could you could pull apart cube a through z and and probably encounter technologies that are Mutually exclusive in every single cube from every other one. I love how in that last second scene where, where they, they show space being deconstructed into an eye. Into, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm still happy to see Michael Shaven. Agreed. Definitely, definitely a fantastic writer in our time. I, this, this part bothers me. We're still on... Captain Picard is still on Earth in Episode 2. This is what... I'm not going to harp on this much longer, but my main complaint being... You get you get everything together in the first episode, even if it's a feature-length episode, and get them the hell out there by the end of it so that the second episode can be the next step into the story... And, I mean, I get it. This is a mystery, and other people are doing it. I'm not saying this because I think this isn't Star Trek enough. I'm just complaining about the, um, I guess, the whole show concept. It just doesn't feel right to me. But I am also basing this off of five other series of Star Trek, even even six, I guess, if you clue in Discovery and everything. Now, I I like this scene because they're introducing the idea that there is a Baba Yaga, something even more nefarious than the KGB. Like, the the KGB to the KGB, something uh, the higher level. And and I'm still suspicious, but I really hope that these guys uh, really come through in regards to being actual allies. Um, I, I, I... I really want them to be, but now we're getting to this next scene where she's using her technology to uh, secret uh, Tashiar uh, technology to reconstruct the scene with the boyfriend, and then all of a sudden her st- her equipment magically doesn't work. They might have scrubbed it. We don't know. She, but when she starts going into the uh, in, into the uh, archives of uh, of of this woman's. Uh, communications she's able to find it a little too quick and so that may be true but i do like that when she does find it it was for a it was a clever realistic way i did that that. the the, i do too which still puts me on edges of my seat Did, did, did her shit like accidentally stop working or did she actually figure it out and oh no i think i think that she's she's clever enough to do it 
it still just doesn't make a damn lick of sense to me that they're able to get into a crime scene. Yeah, but even... However, if they cleaned it up that much, then there's never... We, we talked about this last night. Now, I just want to share this with our listeners. Like, it makes sense that you can't get into a crime scene when it's a crime scene. But if they cleaned it up so damn well, no one would even perceive it to be a crime scene. So, in essence, no one anywhere perceives Dodge to be a missing person. Correct. Let alone this guy who could completely have been a plant. Correct. But, but I really don't think so. But even I then... it's a dude she met at the club and started dating. It, I agree. I agree 100%. But why would you only show everything up until the assassins show up? Why not, if you're smart enough and, and, and you know that someone can utilize this technology, create a facsimile of this guy getting kissed on the cheek and, and happily going about his way? To, to clean this to clean this up and instead of uh, cleaning up everything up until the the murders take place I still don't even understand how it is that you can like nothing is indicative of it uh, to be that they would be able to watch that holographic representation of the characters agreed like in a moment agreed like there's dust mites that have some sort of memory of what was happening like it's it's weird to me. <laughs> That, to me, says that there is, uh, there's too much emphasis by the writers or the showrunners, or maybe the director. I'm not sure there's any number of people who can be responsible for this aspect of things to maybe dumb it down for the audience. Well, if I, I was I'm the... just not sure yet. Mine's buffering. Oh, the Jat Vash. Okay, finally. Yeah, yeah. yeah the, the, the Jat Vash. If I was going to have some sort of end game, I would definitely have my guys pretending to be defectors <clears throat> and, and, and conveniently showing just the little bit amount he <laughs> needs to know in order to go out into the stars and, and, and complete the mission as, as their plan B or C or even the plan A. Oh, no, okay. I know I've been complaining about some stuff. Now I'm going to complain about something that bothers me on a... Star Trek is not a contemporary show. No. It's, it is contemporary, but it is not a contemporary show. Star Trek was contemporary in the 60s. And they screwed up every so often, but it still gave us something to aspire to. And then Next Generation, Deep Space Nine. All of these shows are on television. They have ratings to concern themselves with. We've got Captain Kirk kissing Uhura. We've got Mind Rape. We've got uh, we've got all of these questionable things. In the 90s, it was still pretty dodgy for um, Jadzia to kiss a woman. And in some markets, they cut that part out. But they got so damn close, you knew what was going to happen. And, however, we've decided, despite anything else that could make the show edgy, we've got to throw the word fuck into this. Twice. Yeah, that, that, that bothered me. Let alone it was shit. unnecessary. Like, they tried, they did it in Discovery, and it was like, Oh, that was cute, guys. Because you're making the obnoxious, over-the-top, excitable character 
just I'm too cute and blah, and you know. But I just said a guys, bad word. It's just so ridiculous. And then, like, it makes sense. Like, okay, Star Trek Generations. It's funny to see Data do that. That's funny. But like, we twice, twice in this episode, this happens, and I know we just saw it happen. And yet, simultaneously, it was... Okay, I got a concern about this type of thing. When you go back to some deep, to a Deep Space Nine episode, and you've got Kira and Dax, who are, yes, very... Um, I, I hesitate to use the word Anglicanized by the Federation, but they live within Federation. They are... Dax is a Federation person, and... Kira is a, a Bajoran, an alien, and yet they decide they are going to fly by the seat of their pants. And I'm like, dude, don't do that. That bothers me. Where are the showrunners saying, why would they say that? Why, why, why would, you know, everybody's always like having, you know, oh, I'm going to take them by the ears of the Targ or some crap like that because it's Klingons or whatever. And we invent two things and we go back to that again and again and again. So my, my, my beef with this is like, if you're going to have Romulans on your show, why do they got to talk about cheeky fuckers like they're middle class English people? Why can't we focus on the fact that they're Romulans and have them say something explicitly Romulan? And then uh, pay attention to this blonde alien that just went by because we're going to see her again later. Uh, pause it for so, pause it for three seconds and then and then start it because you're like that much mind buffered. Now one of the things that bothers me is that she so quickly found the communications between the sister and the other sister. Oh yeah. Set, set, well, actually, more like three seconds uh, to, to pause and restart. Is that if she was able to do that, uh, why wouldn't she just shut up and met her? Uh, it, it doesn't. It like in in the fact that she was able to find those communications so quickly. In something that looked everything the same. And if she actually knew that her sister existed, why just send her a message? Why not just show up? I mean, like, obviously you've got so many different types of ways of uh, going from point A to point B. And it's I do true, think but this... I don't think Federation citizens can just like, oh, I'm going to fly away right now. It's not like getting on a plane with a passport. But if it's your sister that you've never met? I got the impression that they had met and they knew each other. There's no way they knew each other. Yeah, you're wrong because the the, the one that died in the first episode would have known loud and clear she had a sister. Until it was was revealed later by Alison Pill. That he would have made it in pairs. Even the, I'm even just the, running it through my head whether or not I think it's better for the story for them to know that they had a sister or not. No, there's no way they knew. There's no way okay. they knew. If if you're if you're alone in the universe, you've got two lone parents, and you find out you've got a twin, you're not just gonna mm-hmm. just try to email them. You're gonna show up. That's totally true. I just don't know how. Regular everyday citizens who are going to work at the Daystrom Institute can get up and fly away to some secret part of Romulan space where they're doing incredibly classified work on the most dangerous starship that Absolutely is the most known dangerous. to exist. Absolutely I don't know how she would dangerous. just show up there. 
I've got a shirt like oh his, too. Oh, my God. Here we go. What is this actor's name? David Isn't it? Paint Painter? You mean filthy Romulan scum? No, this guy. <laughs> Harry Treadway. Oh, my God. No, no, no. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay, you're right. I am. We are a sequential again. Yeah, he just put the flowers in the vase. And here comes uh, the very nice man named Mr. David Pamer that we just love. Uh, David Pamer. Yeah, they just hugged. Okay. It's been a very long time. I'm looking for the words certificate for interstellar service. Your office told me they would be forwarding the certificate. I gotta say, I've seen this actor work for years and years and years, and I have never seen this level of performance performance out of him. This is, I think, the greatest work he's ever done. Um, now, I, di- I totally appreciate that we're going to get into this entire business of where he comes from and how they know one another through the Stargazer. I think that's fantastic. Um, it's amazing to see any other characters who survived that situation. It's unfortunate that they would not have come into contact with one another in all the years on the Enterprise, that Captain Picard was on the Enterprise, but also maybe this guy brought his practice back to Earth. I have no idea. Of course, he would have been a Starfleet doctor, and that was if that was the case, he could have been assigned to another ship. I have no problem inventing new characters at this point. I just think that expands the universe, and it's a great thing, especially when you're going to bring a high-quality performance like this. Um... In the end, I just got to say, I hope you you were initially very concerned about this because you don't want to see Captain Picard dying, right? Well, it's not that I don't want to see him dying. I mean, like if, if if he does die and it serves the story well, that's that's one thing. But if they're copying Logan, then that's oh, yeah. th- that's my suspicion. So we've got I the think that's where we're going with it. And thank we've goodness. got the we've got the confirmation that he's dying. Well, it's a question of to what degree and what's going to happen to him and how is it going to get him and whatever else, you know? Are we going to have Captain Picard or Admiral Picard, like, clutching his heart in every episode on his way out, like, uh, you know, until he dies in the last episode? I just don't see that being the case. Well, season two's already been confirmed. Uh, I assume they're going to use some Borg technology to, to save him. Well... Nevertheless, whatever technology they might incorporate, and we went off on that long tangent about the Shatnerverse novels last night. So if anybody wants to talk about that with me, ask me about it. The Shatnerverse novels. And um, the thing is, my hope is that for the full circle of what was more or less prophesized in the last episode of TNG, Eromotic Syndrome... That we would be introducing this concept without actually naming it, and I love that. There's that blonde alien again. I'm like, why are we, love, why are we incorporating this character in two very, very visible places unless we're going to really say there are a ton of these people milling about everywhere in the Federation now? Beautiful. Now, this Beautiful. is rad, but I'm like, there. 
I look at this and I'm like, this is beautiful. We just saw the feature films era uh, Enterprise, if I'm not entirely mistaken, and here we are looking at a Galaxy class Enterprise D. D. Now, if yeah. we're doing this and we're showing them to be ships of the line, totally rad. Though it would have been amazing to see the Enterprise B and then the C, and we would just see them cycle through the E, and then whatever might be going on now. Because, God willing, the Enterprise E is still out there 20 years later, cruising around and kicking ass. I like his uh, to see reaction when... Sorry. I like his reaction when he realizes that uh, the guy doesn't recognize him. Oh, I'm not entirely sure the guy doesn't. He might have been just putting him through the paces, but... There's really no don't. way, there's no way you were any, any way Starfleet inter- <laughs> encounter Captain Picard to not just geek out. He's, he's oh, dug yeah. himself that deep in his hole. I wish we'd seen that guy be an, uh, not even a, a junior officer. I wish we'd seen him be a, a non-com or something like that. Agreed. I just feel like Starfleet, my dad always said the same thing. Why is Starfleet just a bunch of officers? You know... I mean, even the ensigns qualify as officers if you look at naval tradition. So why do we even have Chief Rand or Chief O'Brien? Anyway, we're in the middle of this thing. Here we are. I think the missed opportunity here is the idea that we could have had, like, Alana Nechev here. Well, maybe the actress wasn't available. Maybe they just wanted to expand and broaden the universe. But to me, it just seems like we got a new admiral... Every week, you know, if you got an admiral, just hire a new person and stick them in the role. Well, whether or not uh, she was available or not, this woman has that resting bitch face that was going to say no to him no matter what he said. Which, whether he oh, asked for yeah. a stick, of, Good stick, stick of gum or whatever, she was ready to shoot him down. <laughs> Look at that! Su- I'm, I'm, I don't know where you are, yeah. but like the subtle little thing when she, yeah, when she gives him the cuss here in a second, and like, yeah. I just love that. Subtle shake of the head, like I can't. The, the incredulity of you coming in here and doing this. But she's the commander in chief of Starfleet. I dig that. I mean, like he went straight to somebody that is the top of the food chain as far as Starfleet goes. I'm starting to wonder why Picard at this point wouldn't have gone to. The authorities. He went to go right talk off the to Allison Pill, and he went to go talk to the CNC, and no one believes him about this stuff. It's it's incredible to me that you have all these people who are like, "Oh, Captain Picard is showing up," and blah blah blah. So it's got to be the most important thing in the world, right? It's like, uh, yeah, it's Captain Picard. He saved the universe, the Federation, the galaxy on a repeated basis for seven years. And then got another starship and saved the universe a couple of times. Like, Agreed. You pay attention to him when he comes in. I don't care what he said or how angry he was. But, dude, that was a killer scene. The look on his him face. Him going down the escalator there. The look on his face. Dude, so good. This was, that was an incredible moment. Now, now, this next scene just seems so silly to me. Like, hey... You guys are about to uh, experiment on some highly dangerous things. You see the without incident board and uh, 
<laughs> yeah. You're, you're going in with minimal protection. I mean, like, like anything they're wearing right now is going to actually protect them from anything that was least of a threat. Um, you don't know what's on here. You, you, it's, it's like, it's like after, uh, it makes me think of like after like Hurricane Katrina. So Katrina happens, people drown. Mm, okay, that yep. sucked. <laughs> That's an awful thing. However, uh, there's also things about like the, the mold and the rot that is going on in, yeah. in, 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 in these, uh, places that people are trying to inhabit again. And whether or not they, they are worried about, a technological um enemy or 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 threat uh you don't know the little things that are going on here you're you're just willy-nilly dissecting borg Uh, it's it's so it's just so irresponsible to me and 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 what what about it is irresponsible when we removed borg stuff from captain picard and we didn't do that to hugh well, that's a great point. I mean, they're trying to save Picard. We're, we've got an emotional level trying to save him on that thing. These guys have a financial motive on this one where they're trying to sell the parts <laughs> off to rebuild. Uh, you're, you're sending civilians into a, a, in a former war zone, and you don't know any of the threats, whether technological or, or biological. Um, the, the things that are growing in these areas, you, you don't know. I'm talking about okay, mold I here. I. I'll tell you this. I did the math. I don't. I can't see it. What it says here: five thousand eight hundred forty-three. You do the math, and it's like sixteen years since the last assimilation. So wow. that being the case, I think it's pretty safe. Now, beyond the fact that this guy up there goes on and on about this for a couple of minutes, and he has a sense of humor about it, which I appreciate. Simultaneously. It's still something to pay attention to. I think you're right. However, it's clearly under control until it's not. At any given moment, right? I mean, that's the crazy right. part of this. You've got these guys going in and out of an inactive Borg ship. They can go anywhere on the ship they want to, except you've got to watch out for some places where you're going to encounter drones that haven't been like dissected yet. That's the thing. You don't really realize how... I know you, personally, Joshua, don't know how dangerous the Borg are because you haven't seen some further episodes involving them, but you're still appreciating how dangerous they are. Completely. You haven't seen uh, nanoprobes and nanotubes and, no, I, I, and I would uh, be, all of that stuff. All of the stuff I would that be happens fair in Voyager is horrifying. I would be fearful of the the little truck droids that are that are cruising along the Death Star. Yeah, if they had something like that going on, like, like we've got a problem. Um, yeah, this, I, I've got they might complaint. be disconnected. When we have a whole sequence in here where they're saying that there's not any, uh, uh, where they're talking about the mathematical Romulan computers that don't revolve around AI and don't have that as part of their operating system. And they don't have drones and whatever flying around like we've seen on, in the Federation. Then why did we just see a bunch of drones flying around inside the Borg cube when this is clearly Romulan property? Good point. But what I really, really want to yeah. know is if we have synthetics walking around. And I know you haven't seen this episode yet. I think you're in the middle of season six and I was messing with it last night. 
uh, looking at uh, screen caps from TrekCore.com in case... Uh, hey, guys, check out TrekCore.com, okay? Kevin, a wonderful resource for, we've for got a, screen caps. Yeah, but we had a great scene here going on with Allison Pills. So she's telling okay, him... Let me get to it. She's Exocomps. telling him... She, I want to know if him, those drones are exocomps. She she's presenting right now the question that needs to be begged that has not been questioned yet. Okay, we we have a bigger problem here, and it's more existential than just whether or not uh, the Romulans were after this girl. We need to know why. We need to know her history like she barely existed as opposed to three years ago like we were talking about last episode whether or not her and all her memories are implants whether her family is real uh she's calling a a a blank number where it just responds accordingly as a program and yeah secret planning (laughs) Of course she says the Earl Grey. She knows everything about him. Yeah, you brought like, that up and I wondered about it. You know, are like, we going to have Earl Grey and he's like, I love she it. Could, and it's just... Maybe, she could have been deathly allergic did. to it and, and still would have said, yes, of course I'm going to have Earl Grey with my captain. The best captain. I love this man, but he's still nothing compared to my dad. Okay. Or your or your dad. Interesting. Well, our dads didn't teach us hate. Our dads taught us tolerance, science, knowledge, change a tire. You, you know, learn. Oh God, that's such a great. <laughs> My mom taught me how to change a tire. My dad was not extraordinarily mechanical. It turns out. I may have actually decided how it made... Nah, my mom taught me how. She taught me the tricks of a uh, thin woman who um, grew up in Tennessee. This is how <laughs> Ziploc bag. Isn't that <laughs> rad? Listening. I'm listening, man. I'm sorry. Just like, they, they sealed the Ziploc bag, man. <laughs> they, they vacuum sealed it without even <laughs> coming into contact with it. So this okay this this scene gives me pause as well. We have legit looking Romulans. Finally, legit, yeah, with the with the V in their forehead. Mm-hmm. And the hair and everything, the eyebrows. My, well, I'm looking at it and I'm going. We don't. I don't know what role. Uh, so, uh, Soji is that her name? Holy crap! I can't. I don't. I don't have it yet. We don't know what role she plays in this entire thing. She was cataloging stuff, and yeah, she's Romulans, not like a she's not like a head scientist. She's she's yeah, basically she's, take, keeping a record. And I'm like, where do you get off giving these people a hard time about how they want to run their lab? <clears throat> but you know, what can we do? Here we go. I love the relics. Yeah, that's a really nice. Oh, that's good cinematography. Excellent. In addition cinema. to good post-production after effects, because that's oh, how you make a shot like that. Exactly, and it's not just like it's going to look cool that you see a reflection in a clock. The clock is staring at him, and that's what's in his mind right now because he's getting old and he knows it. And here, he's going to unsheath his communicator. Now, who do you think he was 
com- is about to communicate to. Oh, he was. I, I'm pretty sure he was talking to uh, Raffi. What did we say her name was? Razzy, the girl from the epi- the girl from the other episode. That's gonna tell us in a second. It's nice to have subtitles on because I can't remember everything that I hear watching it once. Rafi. Yeah, there we go. They should. They but. Yeah, Rafi. But where is she? Is she on Mars? Is she on the pro? Okay. So when we see her here in a few minutes, she's at Vasquez Rocks in California. And that's where they film those extreme rock formations. They go back there again and again and again and again because it's a really cool alien landscape. Now we've got two Romulans who have been surgically altered to appear human and Vulcan. Mm, they might not even be surgically wrong. Well, one of them definitely has been, but uh, this gal can pass for a Vulcan very, very well. Probably like uh, that that gal that was in um, uh, Next Generation. It's fascinating to me that we finally see a Commodore rank. We haven't seen that for a long, long time. Commodore, if you're wondering, is basically being a fleet captain. You are a captain, but you are like the highest ranking captain in a flotilla or in a fleet that hasn't been given admiral's rank necessarily. So it's an odd choice to give her that rank. She's not a rear admiral, which would be the lowest ranking flag rank admiral. I just don't know why you need a Commodore unless you are under a temporary assignment in a fleet action or maybe you're in the middle of a war. So, who knows? Yeah, I really don't know why they're giving Captain Picard any grief, or Admiral Picard as it were, any grief about why he's deciding to go do this stuff. Like, it's got a, it's just a particulate of data. If there's something Agreed. that can be saved from that, it's worth doing. <clears throat> See, I mean, these people, these Romulans, almost pass as human, right? Agree. So, I mean, this minus the foreheads and stuff, I'm not entirely sure that everybody has to be surgically altered to get by. <clears throat> Do you think Maddox is still alive? I really hope so. Mainly for a, mainly because I want the answers. I want to see that guy that... That's what I appreciate about him. You hated him when you saw him hated the first him. time. Oh, and then, just... just... Couldn't get past I, it. I feel like I would like to see that character come back because he was brought around by the end of the episode. That's the beauty of Star Trek. The bad guys don't always have to go out being bad guys. Like, I don't want to spoil something for you, so I'm not going to go there. My One of my favorite villains is, in fact, Shinzon. 
And for the people who have watched that movie, I have a di I, I, I have a different wish for that movie. Um, I I would I would hope that uh, any number of other villains would have chosen to be like, no, I'm going to go back and I'm going to do this. Go back and look at like um, the Serenity. By the end of that movie, the bad guy has been brought around. Yeah, they're doing really awful stuff. I'm part of it. I'm that awful stuff. But I'm going to let them go because they're trying to do the right thing. Trying to do a good thing. So he, he helps them out in the end. I love that. So Bruce Maddox, who is clearly not Khan and not Goldicott and not Seska, is a guy that was brought around in the end. Because in the end, he's still a Starfleet officer. And he hasn't become an admiral, so he's totally not a dick yet. But, like, because that's what happens. You suddenly become an admiral, and then you get uh, you get the, you get that power, and you start pulling bullshit. So Bruce Maddox becomes more or less a friend of Data, and Data keeps up with him. And uh, I want to see that character as an older guy who is smart enough to know he needs to disappear... And him having some interesting little side lab, like, like, uh, like Data's father, Union Singh, you know, like anything like that would be awesome. Especially if we can get that actor back. I don't even know. Who was that? Let's figure out if he's still alive. It's just, I would really like to see him be alive, have some answers get it all solved and then send them on the way he could either be a stepping stone to solving the mystery or he could be the light at the end of the tunnel that shows them like hey here's a whole other awesome way of life and here's why i did what i did and here's why it's cool and blah 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 leading into the second season with a whole new concept agreed i'm gonna look him up i want to know if he's okay do not fail God, this is so hardcore. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of rad. Like, the uh, the stock for Bruce Maddox, there's all kinds of new YouTube videos and stuff ex trying to explain it away. Actor portrayed by Brian Brophy. He's still around. He's 60. There's no reason... As far as I know, not to bring this bring this character back. Brophy is currently the director of theater arts at the California Institute of Technology. I, I what I'm willing to do is to place bets on whether or not they bring this actor back. I love this scene, man. She's in her space RV. <laughs> <laughs> It's interesting to think of how people would like to live rustic in such a high-tech society. And so to me, this gal comes off as very Bajoran to me. When you watch Deep Space Nine and you're constantly going to Bajor or Bajoran Moon or some Bajoran settlement and you're seeing how these people live after a 40-year occupation, it makes sense that they would, ch they would have no choice but to live like this. This gal has chosen to live like this. Agreed. So, 
Here we just, go. I got I, I don't like the scene between the Commodore and this gal, and I definitely don't like this because Star Trek doesn't really give you scenes where the bad guys are being bad guys, talking about bad guy stuff. Unless you're watching Insurrection, or unless you're watching, I don't know. I, I'm hoping that this guy is going to be like that. evil up until a point and realizes he messed up and saves the day and is the guy that like dies in the fire while everyone else escapes. Well, it's it's the same bitch I have about Kylo Ren. Kylo Ren comes back to the light side at the end and I want to see him make restitution. He, there's no reason for him to have to die other than we gotta kill the guy that killed Han Solo. We gotta Agreed. kill the guy who was the leader of the First Order. He could have gone away and just meditated for the rest of his life and then come out of retirement to save the day later. My bitch about this with this guy is unless he is not a fully committed anti-AI secret secret Romulan society member then the why did he speak with an obvious android? Huh? I think he likes her. I think he actually likes her. And that's why I think There's that he's going to be... The, like. the, the, She's the, so darling. I love that word. Even, like, we didn't even, we haven't even spent a full episode with her, and she is darling. She is identical to Daj, who was a scared girl trying to figure out what was going on with herself, who was darling. She was just adorably wonderful. So here's my beef. I mean, they've been promising us Jerry Ryan. They've been promising us... Will Riker and Counselor Troy and Possible Child. They're promising us some, you know, Han Solo-esque, shirtless, tattooed guy. And it's like, dude, we ought to have all of that by now and be on well on our way into solving this mystery out in space. Now, what gives me hope is the fact that they've already shown in the credits that he was making a three-episode return. I can't wait for that. I, like, I, oh, I, I, you? Yeah, do you, like for my board. Do you think he's going yeah, to yeah. be like still Borg integrated or more Seven of Nine, like oh, disconnected? Totally seven of Nine, disconnected. I mean, a, but... I, yeah, absolutely disconnected. I don't think he was ever connected again. Um, without spoiling anything for you, because you've got some stuff that happens in season seven, you need to you need to get to. Uh, so if you uh, you know if minefielders are interested in knowing what's going on with that, just let me know. Um, I'll, I'll answer your questions away from Joshua, but yeah, uh, I don't, I don't think he was ever connected again. And, um, there is fan speculation that he and Jerry, he and seven of nine are in essence an item. There's fan speculation from the trailers that she is cradling his dead body from one moment or another, there's fan speculation that um, no, I think those are the two things. I'm sorry. I just gotta say, I really appreciate that they they got Jonathan Delarco back, and he looks cut and awesome. And I can't wait to see that. Like, 
I, you don't want the whole series to just be like cameo appearances of the old Star Trek home. Agreed. Like I said the other day. No, yeah. But like, can't... if it fuels the story, it totally makes sense for Seven of Nine and for Hugh to be there. I hope well, that he survives and he's happy and everything's okay because there's only so much tragedy any of these characters should really endure. But right. it's already fascinating to even see Jerry Ryan crying like that in the trailer. So I can only hope that it's not what we uh, suspect. Did you enjoy the episode? Um, this one, no. Because well, I'm frustrated. I, I feel like the pace of the show is all wrong. And I feel like the... Uh, I feel like the credulity gets bogged down in maybe the pace of material that needs to happen. But I'm, I'm reading into it to try to explain those things away so I don't feel like I don't like it. I like the series, but what I feel like, this is like when we were reading Fight Club 3 and nothing made sense. It's like, right? in the end, as an episode, it's just like, this is just another stepping stone. What I want is, I, what I need, I guess, is the entire product. Now, I don't want to binge the whole thing, but, I mean, uh, even watching Chernobyl the other night, I was like, I watched three or four episodes in a row. I couldn't give it up. I was like, no, i got to know what happens next. i got to know what happens next. And I can't even tell you in every episode what it is more than a stepping stone from one piece to the next. This gives you way, way more. And somehow or another, it's frustrating to me because I just feel like the pace is jacked up. But I can be completely wrong because in the end, if we have, what is this, a 10, 12 episode season? I don't remember. You said, and I haven't looked it up. I'm looking at it right now. Keep talking. Yeah, I mean, whatever it is, like every, every episode is part of a greater whole. What we're used to with Picard is watching a show that rarely has anything more than an open-ended ending. And that's not what we're getting here because this is part of a contiguous storyline. Hey, that's fine. That's where we are with television now. And that's also where we are with Star Trek. That's what we want because that's contemporary television writing. So that's not my complaint. I just feel like we should have got him out of space with his crew, satisfied by the end of the first episode. That's my complete bitch about that. So. I'm, I'm just happy for the excitement, but I can tell why you're so on edge from it. Because <laughs> it's, it's. I know. It's, it's just like, God, I have to wait another week to figure out what the it, hell's it, going on next. It's, it's, it's not just that. They are fucking with all of your regular Star Trek tropes here. And we're seeing things from perspectives that we should not usually be seeing it from. Uh, they are going in depth into characters that we, on all, if on paper, we should probably hate. I mean, we're having well, it's it's like oh, cheering. Dude. It's yeah, it's like cheering. It's like cheering for the heel. Like you're not supposed to like the bad guy, but you're 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 <laughs> liking you're, you're you're liking this guy, and oh, I'm liking this guy, and oh I'll yeah. Just, Obviously, he's a, a piece of shit. He's sleeping with somebody he should not be doing. Uh, and at the same time, though, I feel a sense of redemption, especially with his in, uh, antagonism with his sister. He, I really has. I really think he has no 
plans at all to really follow through on this. Like he's just doing what he's got to do for now. You're you but, could be right. He could be yeah. That could pl- completely be the case. And and then once we, he finds his core vein, uh, uh, in in granted, it usually happens when you know there's a death scene and and uh, everyone's got to get out. I got to ho- hold the button until you guys leave because I can't hold it forever and. Uh, I'm hoping we get some sort of redemption there. Uh, Miles Dyson, you know, um, <laughs> right? But, Terminator uh, Two. Uh, yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed the episode. I'm, I'm, I'm loving the anticipation. Uh, it's great writing. I, I, it's mm. great cinematography. Oh yeah, that's oh, the cinematography is beautiful. I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna disagree with you. The anticipation might be killing me. I'm not like chomping at the bit constantly for the next episode i'm i but i also am glad that they're not releasing it all at once i i Agreed. don't appreciate that like stranger things and i don't know all of these other internet shows, <laughs> internet just, shows. I, I, I get it i get why we dump it all out there all at once but uh because you've paid for it one way or another but at the same time it's like television should be digested one episode or a couple at least on the english system i feel like they were like the seasons are a lot shorter because you've got two or three episodes per week or something like that but um it's not just pour it all out like one big cup of coffee and that's that's my my complaint. Like when we're when we're talking about Fight Club three, and I'm like, I I can't understand this from one issue to the next. I've got to buy this in the trade paperback or in the hardback and read it all at once, folks. I'm sorry. Yeah, some of you might have been only tuning in for Star Trek, and you don't know about Fight Club two or three. Uh, definitely check in on any of our preceding Minefields uh, comics podcasts, but. To be really succinct about it, Chuck Palahniuk, he got together with uh, Dark Horse Comics and did a story, Fight Club 2, that was released, what, 12 issues? And it's great. It's so good. Um, And so go to your comic book store and find it. Get it. You can get it at Barnes and Noble, but if you want to support something local, go to a local comic book store. Okay, find it. It's worth your time if you like Fight Club. Um, it's beautiful. It's David Mack covers. You're gonna love it. Fight Club Three, on the other hand, got so, its head shoved so far up its ass that I'm like, I don't even know what the hell I'm reading anymore. Yeah, great. None of this makes any sense. And I keep feeling like maybe if I read it all in one sitting, I'll find it. I'll get it. But I'm not sure. So that's why the constituent parts don't always have to be home runs. This, I think, was a solid single. Whereas the first episode was a pretty good triple. But, like, the season as a whole, I mean, you know where they're going with it. Unless they follow some really annoying sci-fi tropes, uh... It's going to be a hardcore show. I think this is really going to work out. And I think this, I think it's going to be deserving of its second season. And I think it's going to be having us all, of course, wanting more. So the two or three things that, that are my takeaways really boil down to if Picard's got an illness that's going to kill him, something has to kill the man. Because he can't keep going to 
conventions and being asked if he wants to be in Star Trek anymore Agreed. for the rest of his life. Well, he can, and it's a pain in the ass. Stop asking him. You're going to make the guy not want to show up. And then we're not all going to have our heroes go out like Han Solo. That was the worst. Worse. So, Captain Picard, I hope he dies. Where is Beverly for crying out loud? I mean... Agreed. Why did he go to that guy instead of going to Dr. Crusher? I mean, it feels like the opportunity to bring in some very serious characters like that really goes a long way. When you, Joshua, finally get to the last episode of Voyager, you're going to see why Captain Picard would not go to his old crew. And therein, therein lies possibly the best takeaway we can get out of Voyager's Endgame. So, uh, after that, you were talking about villains, the Romulans. If, if there are at least a bunch of Romulans by the end of this that you're like, okay, no, these guys can be good guys, and then there are offshoot, like, hardcore nationalist and extremist Romulans, I can totally take that. So you're never going to know. Which makes the Romulans even more frustrating, because when they were all under one flag and it all makes sense... That's when you can find the Romulans and go, I know what to take from these people. But if you're like, oh, God, I don't even know. Like, this could be a Romulan dissident from Spock's group that, like, we can trust. Or it could be a Tal Shiar guy. Or it could be an ultra-secret Illuminati Romulan anti-AI. Like, I have no idea what to take from these people now or what I'm, what I'm dealing with. So, yeah. I don't know. It's yes. a kick-ass show. And we are, we are having a good-ass time watching it. That's for sure. I'll tell you one thing. Whatever my complaints are, I'm glad that it's there. I don't hate it. I love it. I want more of it. I want to keep going. Um, I want to. I, I. You know. Yeah. We don't need. We don't. We don't need a, a special guest star from the old crew every episode, or maybe more than twice a season. But uh, I don't know. I don't want to see any wasted opportunities. Also. We're, 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 we're loving the hell out of this because it's, it's given us a lot to talk about and think about. And thank goodness for that. So we'll talk to you all again about it next week. And if you have any questions or comments or you love what we said or we hate what we said, just uh, hit us up. We'll talk to you about it. We really appreciate it. Absolutely. Guys, we're done. Minefields. This is go Yeah, go to Easy Night. This is dangerous. Go kick some ass. All right. I'll talk to y'all later. Later. Love you, brother. Dude, that was great. That was, that was great.